Women as One promotes talent in medicine by bringing the unique talents of women to the forefront. We believe that, as one, women can use their collective voice to change the landscape of medicine. My name is Cecilia Linde. I work at the Karolinska University Hospital in a heart and vascular scene. And I'm uh, also a professor at the Karolinska Institute, which is the, the university part of my profession. I used to be head of department cardiology for uh, more than 10 years, but I quit doing that. I was uh, part of a merger between two university hospitals, and that was very, very demanding. So nowadays, I'm mainly focusing on clinical work and on my scientific work, as well as, as on my ESC tasks. Uh, I'm presently vice president of the ESC, and uh, amongst my responsibilities are the young women membership, many other things, working groups, uh, councils, etc. So uh, it's really close to my heart and has been for a very, very long time that I want to promote female leadership for cardiologists, future cardiologists, and also the status and, and the care of the female patient. And I'm really convinced that those two go together. I'm from Stockholm, from uh, the inner city. My family, some of them come from Gothenburg, which is the other major city. And actually, I'm from a family of either lawyers or professors or uh, teachers. So my grandfather was a professor of Latin and Greek, for example. So those two professions have been uh, my family history, but not actually doctors. So that changed with me and my sister is an orthopedic surgeon. The other sister is a physiotherapist. So we all choose to go into medical professions. My first job was actually in oncology, and I really loved oncology because that was a feeling at the uh, Swedish Radium Hammers, which was our uh, big unit. There was a lot of things to be done and a lot of progress to be made. And actually, in my country at least, and I think globally, oncology was even better organized than cardiology as regards randomized controlled trials already early on. There was this feeling that actually you can do a lot. And I started out in malignant lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease, and that was really fascinating. So, but then somebody persuaded me to go into pediatrics, uh, and I love that too, but that was a tough specialty because there were so many patients. There was the family and the, the father and the mother, and we have, I worked in an immigrant area with lots of languages, many social problems. And I felt it was just too much for me, overwhelming. So then I went to internal medicine and cardiology and found that to be more comfortable for me, in fact. So it's a lot of coincidences. It could, it might just as well have been oncology. But I think it's who you meet, who inspires you, and uh, why you feel that you your personality can do a difference. Because I really think you, you need to feel at home where you want to work. My name is Claire Duvernois, and I'm a professor of medicine at the University of Michigan. I am an interventional cardiologist, and I spend about two-thirds of my time working at the Ann Arbor VA Medical Center. Um, I was chief of cardiology uh, of the cardiology section at the VA here for about 11 years and stepped down from that role now about three years ago. And I did all of my training at the University of Michigan except for one year that I spent as a research fellow in Munich with one of my mentors, Marcus Schweiger. And so I've been on the faculty here now for 21 years. 
So I probably wanted to be a doctor since I was a child. I grew up in a medical household. My father was a cardiologist um, and, of course, was a huge influence on me. I have an older brother who never wanted to do medicine and who always said that uh, going to the hospital with my dad, which is something my, my father loved to do with both of us, children was something that he hated. He hated the smell of the hospital. He hated the whole atmosphere. And my reaction was the exact opposite. I loved going into the hospital. I loved the fact that no matter what was happening outside, the hospital was its own world and was buzzing and was alive. And I loved the way that you had the feeling you could really help people. And, and I knew that that was what my father was doing. And that was something that I wanted to do myself. I didn't always want to go into cardiology. In fact, I thought that it would be so trite to be a cardiologist just like my father. So I wanted to absolutely not do that and do something else. I initially really wanted to be a surgeon because I liked the idea of being able to fix things. And then as I got into medical school and further into medical school and started doing my rotations, I realized that surgery is great and it's a huge amount of fun to fix things but you don't really have long-term relationships with your patients. And so then when I started doing cardiology rotations, I realized that was really the perfect blend, that I could fix something by being an interventionalist, but also have long-term relationships with my patients. And that's exactly what I've found as I've continued my career. It's just been so rewarding to have that instant gratification of treating an acute MI or doing an angioplasty and putting in a stent and curing somebody's symptoms, but also getting to follow along with people and really have them be part of my patient family. You know, over 20 years, I've experienced the birth of grandkids with patients. I've heard about good things and, and heartbreak with my patients, and we've gone down the road together, and it's been incredibly rewarding. My name is Athena Pappas. I'm a professor of medicine at uh, Brown Medical School. I'm the chief of cardiology for Brown, and I'm the director of the Cardiovascular Institute for Lifespan, which includes Rhode Island, Miriam, and Newport Hospitals. I've been very involved in both the American College of Cardiology, the ASE, AHA, for example, but have had leadership roles at the ACC, and I am currently the vice president for ACC this year and will be the president next year, so that will make me the fourth ever woman as president of the ACC in 75 years. I'm very excited about that. I guess I had an unusual or not a, a linear path. Um, I just sort of followed things that I was interested in and enjoyed. So went through college enjoying the sciences, but wasn't quite sure what to do. I worked in research for a couple years and decided I want to work with patients more. Went to medical school at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Really enjoyed most of the things. I was a flavor of the month kid, I think and ultimately landed with internal medicine. And then again, had no clear path, thought I would be, do primary care. That was before I thought it'd be an OBGYN. And uh, then ended up just loving cardiology. And so chose a fellowship at uh, University of Chicago and knowing that I wanted to uh, focus again on some research and particularly imaging. So, well, ironically, I, I do a lot of research and clinical work in the cardiovascular disease and pregnancy. So, so maybe it never left me, but um, the, I think the world of cardiology has a lot going on, very fast-paced, very innovative, uh, had longitudinal care of patients, a lot of hands-on work. And I think, you know, like a lot of things, and I, I would tell my you know, mentees or anybody who was interested that when I would turn to a journal, those were the papers I, was, I kept reading again and again. So it must have been intellectually interesting as well.
Well, you know what? I have very limited experience from the U.S. My overall impression is that overall the, the U.S. physicians have another culture. They're tougher. They're very self-confident. So that's a sort of cultural difference between at least the Northern Europe, where our culture is to be modest, not say so much, not promote yourself. So I do think that you have a very good training program for the most. I don't. I, I think that you have equal opportunities for men, women and men. So I don't think that is a difference. So I noticed that there are very few black Americans, for example, that I see in meetings. So why do they go? Why don't they go into cardiology? So there must be some barriers to the med school and then to go into specialization and maybe make a career. But I don't, I don't know what those barriers are. But then on the other side, what you're much better at is, is uh, also to assimilate people coming from other cultures. We are not very good in, in because we don't require that so much. You have people who may speak Swedish, but they still live much according to where they came from. Uh, so they are not, they don't think the Swedish way of life is so fantastic. I mean, most people think that the American way of life is wonderful. So we do have a lot of integration problems. I wouldn't say that's medicine specifically, but it's there. I would say that one thing that it, we may be different culture, but all cardiologists and not only females have the same high ambition and the same desire to provide the best for their patients. So we set our professional aims very highly. I think we have that common all over the world. Well, so my father definitely always wanted to show me what his profession was like and to allow me to experience it. He never pushed me in any direction. I think he felt like if it was the right thing for me that I would find my own way. I don't remember my parents ever really getting involved in my schooling or in any of those kinds of decisions because they trusted that I would make my own decisions and do the work if I thought it was important enough to do it. Having said that, he was incredibly proud that I followed in his footsteps. He was also active with the American College of Cardiology. In fact, he was governor for the state of Michigan about 20 years before I became governor for the state of Michigan for the ACC. And that was just a, a wonderful thing to be following in his footsteps in that way. So he was very proud. He and I were colleagues for a period of time because he, once he transitioned out of his practice in southeastern Michigan at Providence Hospital, he came to the University of Michigan for a part-time position as a consultative cardiologist. And so he and I, and in fact my husband as well, were all colleagues in the cardiology division here at the University of Michigan for almost 10 years. And that was a pretty neat thing to be part of that family tradition. I think the he for she movement, if you will, or issue is critical. It's probably one of the most important things in the field of cardiology, just because there are so few women in the field right now. And so if women are going to achieve equity and go into this field in greater numbers, it's going to be because they have supportive men working with them and mentoring them and helping them. And I certainly have had that along every step of this journey. The first person who was that for me was my father. He would never have thought of himself in that way, but he very simply expected that his daughter and his son would achieve equally and that 
every door would be open to his daughter just as it was for his son. So his expectations were for equality, absolutely. And that simple expectation, I think, set the path for me and made me think that everything was open to me and that I could do anything I wanted to do. So I think that was really the critical foundation for my choice to go into this career. We've done a number of repeated surveys and studies and focus groups and thought a great deal about this. A number of people have. And I don't know that we have all the answers. I think we all have opinions about it. Maybe we've not asked the question correctly. And it's different things for different people. But there's why are there women, more women urologists, more women orthopedic surgeons? So it can't be the rigor, it can't be the difficulty, it can't be, more, it has to be something more than that that's, you know, dissuading women from cardiology. I think there's uh, two or three areas. Uh, one is that it, uh, people bifurcate early in medical school into sort of a medical or surgical specialty and people may not recognize that cardiology is probably more of a surgical specialty in some way. And so people, some of it is getting sort of further up the pipeline, if you will. So I think that's one issue. The second is the length of training. So you can be a, a cardiothoracic surgeon, a urologist, or orthopedic surgeon in fewer years than you can become a cardiologist, let alone an interventional cardiologist. So it gets at the overall length of training. And I think we need to look at that a little bit too. Yeah, I, I don't think there's something innate about women that would make them not be cardiologists. I, I don't think you could argue that. I think Summers tried to argue that women didn't go into STEM because they weren't good at math or something, which is, you know, a, an argument full of fallacies. Anyway, I think it's other sort of subconscious bias that people have talked about. What do you see around you? What looks normal? What are you encouraged to do? If you never see a woman cardiologist, it doesn't seem like that's you. If you nobody ever says, boy, you should think about cardiology, you might not think about it. So there's a lot of subtle things, I think, that happen. I can say, frankly, that the career uh, part of it has actually, I would have had more children if, if it wouldn't have been for positioning myself at my department cardiology, and I regret that. But that's absolutely true. I think many other people, and I met cardiologists who, who choose not to have children for these reasons, and it's really bad that you should have to take those kind of decisions, either because there's no legislation helping you to be um, to have parental leave or because if you're out for, for a couple of months you, you lose your uh, place in the hierarchy and so either of those two is really bad. Yeah but then again I also think that while you're in those kind of circumstances you perhaps exaggerate the difficulties because then you can, you're not childbearing for eternities maybe a couple of years and maybe most people have two or three children not more than that. So it's not forever and the career is very long. So at least in my country, you don't look so much at chronological age. You look more about what can this person achieve. Looking at, the, at women as a whole, when below the age of 40, it's about nearly 50-50 women and men. But above, there, there are big gender gaps, I would say. But I think... The problem that women have really is when they start out and before they create family, they, they start family, they are they don't realize there is a problem with men. Uh, it's uh, after that they have children that, that I've heard that they start feeling it's getting more difficult. They don't know what to do. They feel they sort of get behind. I really think it depends who you get married to also you know, because you have to have a bit of luck there. Nowadays, looking back on it, 
somebody asked me recently, how did you do all those things and get promoted and go through all that stuff? And I can honestly say that I don't really remember because I was probably too tired a lot of the time. Well, I think one of the things I feel most strongly about is that given the experiences that I had and what I went through, I want to make sure that it's a little bit easier and a little bit more doable for women coming through the, that path now. So the work that we're doing with the American College of Cardiology and the Women in Cardiology section includes formulating position papers on career flexibility and on how to take leave during fellowship and still finish your training and how to come back and have adequate support for breastfeeding and lactation. Those things that I honestly had to struggle with a little bit. Really nobody thought about giving you time and a quiet place that was adequately provided for expressing breast milk. So, you know, I did that in the office of a colleague because I didn't have an office in the cath lab at the university. My office was over at the VA. So that led to some embarrassing experiences that luckily we were able to sort of laugh off. And nowadays, hopefully it's better and hopefully we can continue to make it better by putting policies into place and by describing best practices that hospitals and practices can adhere to because it's worth it to do that. Because if you adhere to best practices and if you make the job more attractive to diverse groups of people, including women, then you're going to get the best people. There's a very funny line from a James Bond movie that I like to quote. It's, a, it's maybe a little bit risque, so I don't know if you want to use this, but um, there was a line when Judy Dench was playing M in one of the more recent Bond movies. She was fighting with a general or somebody else that was in a leadership position who was arguing that um, she needed to blow up something. And she said, no, no, I don't need to do that. And at some point, the guy says to her, frankly, Em, I just don't think you have the balls for this job. And she says, you may be right, but then I also don't need to think with them all the time. I think, as we've seen with race and gender and sexual preference, that a lot of the overt things aren't said. It's a subconscious bias that we really need to work on. So maybe some of that, I think the more we see of this and there's data, once you're beyond 25 or 30 percent, the tokenism goes away. My hope is that we don't need a women in cardiology. We don't need a women is one group because uh, it's just part of the culture. So the conversation should be moot. Um, that would be my wish, that we become obsolete. I guess there's different ways to approach it. I, you know, I've certainly been an advocate and a feminist for all of these agendas. I think we become more effective when it's not an us against them or it's, you know, there's not a need to, yes, we have to continue to have oversight and rules of engagement, obviously, but it would be nice if we don't have to have the conversation because it's just part of the culture that, of course, women are on boards, of course, women are president, of course, women are cardiologists, that you don't have to advocate or keep that in front. I realize that's a little idealistic, but that should be where we're moving towards.